Hello, I am Bob Bostock. You are listening to Discover DEP, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection's official podcast. Each week, we will provide you with timely information about how DEP protects and preserves New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. Please feel free to add this podcast to your iTunes or RSS feed. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. Discover DEP is available on iTunes and Google Play, so I would encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss any future editions. We are delighted to be joined today by Joe Belinsky, research scientist here at DEP, who will tell us more about the clinging jellyfish, an invasive creature that has only found its way to New Jersey this summer. The clinging jellyfish has become a dime-sized nuisance for some people this summer, and parts of New Jersey. There's a lot more to know about this invasive species, and Joe's going to fill us in on it. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell us about the clinging jellyfish. What is it? What is it? Well, as you mentioned, it's a very small jellyfish species, typically from the size of a dime to up to a quarter size. It's very easily recognizable by the X shape on its bell or back. It's very localized as far as its distribution. It's usually found only in shallow coastal embayments or in riverine systems. And as I mentioned, it's localized, which means that it's not widely distributed, but only in certain areas where it finds a preferred habitat. The clinging jellyfish is named so because on the tip of its tentacles, it has adhesive pads that allow it to stick to uh, substrates such as uh, macroalgae as well as uh, seagrasses. Uh, clinging jellyfish like uh, areas that are dominated by seagrasses, mainly due to the prey species found there. These areas also are, are brackish, meaning that they have low salinity as well as are low flow, low velocity areas. So they're not generally found in the ocean waters? Absolutely not. They, um, what's interesting about clinging jellyfish is they're known not to be uh, swimmers, and as I mentioned, they don't like high velocity waters or saline waters. They like to stay only in the areas where seagrasses are found and the prey associated with them. So uh, folks who are going to the beach, or bathing, ocean bathing beaches, at this point, nothing for them to worry about. No, absolutely not. And it would be quite a surprise if we found any of these uh, in those locations. Yeah, it would be a surprise. I think a shock, really. But you wouldn't find them there. That's great. Uh, we haven't seen them in New Jersey uh, before this summer. Where did they come from? Well, yeah, actually, this is the first recorded um, incidence of of clinging jellyfish in New Jersey. They have been recorded up in uh, Massachusetts, the Woods Hole area, as far back as 1894, which they have remained localized since then. However, um, like I mentioned, this summer and in a few past summers, they have been found a little further south, such as uh, one location along Long Island and this summer in New Jersey. Uh, The interesting thing is they are originally from uh, the Sea of Japan and off of the uh, peninsula of Kamchatka off of Russia. And it's speculated or hypothesized that these species originally came to Europe in some areas as well as to the United States, either through uh, oyster research. They may have come over also um, fouling materials on the bottom of ships, like algae or uh, mollusks, those type of materials, where polyps, the um, immature stage of these jellyfish, 
could cling to and then eventually release into favorable waters. So where have they been found in New Jersey so far? Uh, so far, the they've been found in two areas, mostly in a Shrewsbury and only in one location in the Manasquan River. That was the only sighting that we had in, in that location in the Manasquan. So what is DEP doing to analyze whether uh, they are more w widespread, whether they are in Barnaby Bay or any other places in those rivers? Or, are we doing any research into this? Yeah, absolutely. The commissioner was very concerned when he first heard of the reports of the clinging jellyfish in New Jersey. And therefore, the department reached out to Montclair State University, specifically to Dr. Paul Bologna, who has worked with us in the past on this, the sea nettles in Barnegat Bay. And uh, we've initiated a 30-day study in order to doing a, a basic assessment or baseline study of the abundance and distribution in our waters. So how are, what are we doing exactly when we go out to look for these uh, jellyfish? They're kind of small, so I imagine they're hard to find. What techniques are being used to uh, discover their distribution and the size of their population? Well, we, we employ a few different techniques. One is um, we do what are called uh, zooplankton toes, which are specific or specially designed nets that are towed behind a boat for a specific time duration to see if there's any um, adults swimming in the water. We also use seine nets to go through uh, identified seagrass beds to see if any individuals will release from the seagrass and, and go into the nets. Uh, after we have, or if we have collected any individuals, these individuals are then taken back to uh, Montclair's lab where um, DNA analysis is done to A, um, verify that this in fact is Gonionemus vertens, which is the clinging jellyfish flattened name species, as well as um, an additional study will be done to see if these individuals are distinct populations or if they're related to, let's say, the populations up in Massachusetts to see if they were inadvertently brought from there or if they're distinct to this uh, area. Understand also there's been some placing of uh, kind of like artificial seagrass right, right. on the uh, on the riverbeds and, and uh, yeah so these they're called um, jellyfish um, attracting devices or JADs for short coined by uh, Dr. Paul Bologna and basically you know these are more bait for um, for adults so we're trying to entice them in all of the areas sampled to see if these adults will will cling to these substrates which they have been shown to do in the lab. And that's a, another indicator, just in case during physical sampling, no individuals are encountered, perhaps they would cling to these devices later, and then we can verify whether they're in those locations or not. So does the clinging jellyfish tend to uh, cling to these plants or shells or whatever they're clinging to 24-7, or do they move about? Or how, how is it that people might get stung by one of these jellyfish? No, the uh, clinging jellyfish typically it shies away from sunlight, so you typically wouldn't see individuals in the water column uh, during the daytime unless there's overcast conditions. Typically, they come out at night, uh, they move into the water column, and, and that's when they feed on their prey species. You would actually have to physically walk through a seagrass bed and disturb the blades of either the algae or the grass, which would then uh, entice them or cause them to release from from these uh, beds. And then, at that point, you might get stung. Yes, it's, then if you physically encounter them, they don't, uh, clinging jellyfish aren't aggressive in a sense where they'll come and seek you out. 
you have to physically touch them, and the reaction for them is is more of a physiological, mechanical reaction, not not that uh, not a, a vicious or malicious one. <laughs> and so it's not like they're getting mad and they're going to sting. Absolutely right. Now, for such a small jellyfish, I understand the sting is pretty potent. Yes, that's that's from what I've heard. I haven't had the privilege <laughs> of being stung myself, and however, um, from all of the incidents where people have been stung is described to be uh, extremely painful. Uh, the symptoms can be anywhere from intense burning to muscle cramping. And these symptoms can last anywhere from a few hours to uh, up to two days. So what would your advice be to people who, uh, for instance, might be fishing, uh, going out into the waters in the shallow part of the waters, perhaps going through some seagrass? What ought they do to protect themselves? If they uh, do that sort of activity, right now I think the best precaution would be if you're if you're venturing out into these seagrass beds, either wear waders or even um, other personal protective equipment, let's say uh, wetsuits. In that way, you can definitely um, you know prevent any uh, unwanted or accidental stings if these are present. And um, if you're stung, the best method would basically first rinse the area with white vinegar. And then use a, a device such as like a credit card, something with a, a stiff, sharp edge to scrape away any attached uh, materials or tentacles. And then rinse the area with seawater. You can also then apply um, like a 10 to 15 percent lidocaine spray to the area to alleviate some of these symptoms. And then um, apply a hot compress. If your conditions are severe, then we definitely um, say that you should seek medical. So for such a small creature, it really packs a powerful punch. Yeah, absolutely. Small but uh, vicious in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, taking those protective measures, waders or wetsuits, if you're in the environment in which they exist, is really a very good idea. The, the ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in this particular case. Uh, the good news is, though, that uh, if you're swimming in the ocean beaches or even uh, you know in the, in the rivers or away from the shoreline, uh, it's not like they're swimming around in there. Kind of, uh, right. Most likely you'll encounter them only in the shallows, waters that are typically uh, less than three feet deep and that support either macroalgae or seagrasses. So what do we hope to find at the end of this 30-day study? What sort of conclusions are we hoping to find and how will we use that information going forward? Well, definitely you know, the first and foremost, we want to find out where they are. This is the first time we've encountered them in New Jersey. Uh, we have information on where they've been uh, cited so far, so we just want to basically make sure that um, we know, you know, basically how far they range and are they isolated, so on and so forth. Uh, we also, as I mentioned, want to find out if this population is distinct or, you know, where has it come from. And lastly, um, you know, this will be able to add to our body of research that we, we have so far on various uh, species in New Jersey. And do they have any natural predators in the uh, rivers where they've been found? Well, interesting enough, what we're finding out is that it seems like the sea nettle is probably the, the most effective predator so far. From what we're finding is um, in the last sampling events that we've been on, sea nettles now are, are really uh, becoming more abundant. And in the areas where we found clinging jellyfish to be abundant, we're not finding clinging jellyfish anymore. We're just finding lots of sea nettle, so basically we're, we're suspecting that the clinging jellyfish uh, season may be over in, in some cases, and 
um, mainly due to predation from sea nettles. So the sea nettles are actually our ally in this situation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's kind of kind of an unexpected uh, mm-hmm. byproduct of, this, of the sea nettles. Where can people go to find out more information about what we have found so far in the study that you're doing, uh, where we have uh, checked and where we have found any of the clinging jellyfish? Well, we produce two different products that's available on our DEP website. The first being a fact sheet, just which basically describes much of the information that I talked about today, along with uh, some additional information publications where you could learn more. And secondly, we have an interactive map that basically shows all the sampling locations as well as the confirmed sightings of clinging jellyfish thus far. So right on our website, I understand it's on the home page. Yes. People can find it under featured topics. Correct. Both the information and the fact sheet about the clinging jellyfish as well as that interactive map that shows where we have already checked and what the results of those checks have been. That's a great tool for anybody who is going to be going fishing in some of those areas or wading in some of those areas. Check them out before you go. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Joe, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you become an expert in jellyfish? That's a very good question. I've been asking myself that uh, quite often. Presently, I'm the Barnegat Bay Research Coordinator for um, the Barnegat Bay Research Initiative. This was formerly held by um, Tom Belton, which which I was privileged enough to inherit from him uh, following his retirement. And I was a project manager on the Sea Nettle Project. Thus, I guess you know I can then consider myself the this jellyfish expert for New Jersey, and. Uh, since I had a good relationship with Paul and his project, that's, that's uh, how I fit into all of this. So this has been a great cooperative effort between DEP and Montclair State Absolutely, University. yes it has. Yeah, we're lucky in this state to have, uh, despite being a relatively small state, we've got such a wide array of talent and scientific experts that help supplement the incredible work that uh, scientists like you do here at the DEP. Thank you. Very fortunate to have that. Anything that I should have asked you that I did not? No, Bob, I think that we've covered all the main points uh, about the clinging jellyfish as well as its distribution. And as, as you mentioned, uh, anyone who's interested in finding out a little bit more can, can consult our website. Well, that's great. And just to reiterate, so far they have been found? In Shrewsbury, and as well as one sighting in the Manasquan River. And none in Barnegat Bay and certainly none along our ocean waters. No, absolutely not. Well, that's great. Well, they are visiting us, we think, probably from Massachusetts. Hopefully they'll go home soon, and uh, we won't have to worry about them again. But the good news about this is that uh, DP, working with Montclair State University, is actively evaluating the situation and providing information to people who are going to go out and uh, spend some time on the water so that they can make sure that they don't run across any of these dime-sized nuisances. So I want to thank Joe Belinsky very much for joining us today. Um, I really appreciate your taking time out of what I know is your very busy schedule, analyzing not only the clinging jellyfish, but all of the other work that you're doing down at the Barnegat Bay. Thanks so much, Joe, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.